right, well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Uh, hey, my name's Tim. I'm one of the uh, pastors here. And uh, can we welcome all of our campuses who are joining us? Great to see you guys. Or if you're with us online, glad you're here for week three of our series, Breathing Room, which is really all about how to clear the clutter kind of from our crowded and over-busy, hurried lives so we can have more whew, breathing room in 2020 to enjoy life, to actually be present to God and present to each other. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like we're learning that life is actually better with limits. So last week I challenged you to take a digital detox for 21 days, back away from the phone, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Who's taking digital detox? Anybody there? All right, your pet, your, your itchy finger, you're still like there? Yeah, we're getting off of social media for three weeks, the scrolling, the liking, and what we're doing is we're repurposing that to have our quiet time with God, time in the Aramos or desert place to settle your soul and start your day really drawing near to Jesus, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we said it's perfect because January is like the ideal time to kind of reset your priorities through prayer and fasting. Now, anybody here doing the Daniel fast? You're, you're, you're okay, awesome. You're, 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 yeah, you're like, I still got the headache. Okay, it's all right. It's almost gone. I pray uh, we're doing that in our house. Uh, your mental fog is starting to lift. Maybe you're starting to feel a little bit more clarity, a little more calm. Here's the good news. Uh, you're going to find you're going to start sleeping better. You're going to have more energy. And uh, believe me, you're past the hard part. So just be encouraged. You're going to kind of settle into the fast this week. I really believe God's going to speak. Now, today... I have a fun message. I was like, people are giving up a lot of stuff. This has got to be a liberating message. I feel this is like an urgent message from God, and I can't wait to share it with, with you because I feel like for someone here, it's like going to be like prophetic. You ready for it? You ready to receive it? I believe God is ordering you to take the day off. Come on, church. Let's go. Right. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, take the day off. Go ahead. Tell him right now. Tell your neighbor. Take the day off. You're welcome. <laughs> In fact, not because it's Martin Luther King Day. In fact, take the one next week. And the week after that, take another one. I'm serious. Take the day off. Doesn't that feel good? I think a lot of us who feel stressed out or struggle with workaholism really need to hear this. Uh, show of hands, anybody here feel like, man, there's not enough hours in my day. My work is never done. Uh, chronically stressed, my to-do list keeps growing, right? You have, maybe you have difficulty relaxing, right? Like in your home, it's like there's all this stress and like, you know, snippiness, you know, with our kids or, or your spouse, your roommate, no peace, because we're doing so much, but then there's not enough time to even enjoy any of it. Um, if you feel that way, I just want to let you know, you are not alone. Um, I can personally relate. In fact, I want to start today with kind of a confession and tell you about my brush with burnout. Uh, it came two years after launching the church. Um, my wife and I uh, started the church in 2007, and we had two kids under the age of five, which is always fun. Uh, you start a business, entrepreneurs, you know this, and I was like all in, and my wife works, and, and so like I was running bell to bell, working seven days a week. Uh, I was out four nights a week, because got to meet with you know volunteers and small group leaders. You're just trying to get through the survival stage. And let me just tell you something, I loved it. It was like awesome. It was like such adrenaline, like you're starting this new thing. And my wife, uh, Colleen, is a super high capacity woman. She's incredible. She runs her own business. But she, um, she was like, Tim, it's a little bit much. Like we've got two littles at home under the age of five and I need you more present. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm home at, well, I'm sort of home at night. I was out four nights a week, and then she goes, even when you're home, you're not really here. <laughs> like, she goes, you know, like you're always, you know, you're, you're emailing or bringing the laptop to bed at night, and you're always dialed into your work. And that was true, but, and I knew it, but she's just like, I just, you know, once you get past the survival mode, I need you back here. And so I did something classic. I said, okay, honey, after we have our first Easter, then I'll be more present. And then all these people show up on Easter. And so I was like, well, we got to get them into small groups. Once we launch the small groups, I'll be present. And then it's like the small groups blow up, and now we need volunteers. Once we have our dream team set, and I just kept kicking the can. You know, I didn't know. I was like lying to myself at the time. And uh, I'll never forget what happened. The day the bill came due, because I came home, pulled in the driveway around 7.15, 45 minutes late as usual. Like my, she gave up me being even on time at any, any moment at that point. And I walked in, I'll never forget it, because she was sitting on the couch crying. And mascara, the whole, the whole thing. The kids weren't there. 
In fact, when I walked in, I saw her and I froze because I thought something happened to one of our kids. And so I, you know, I put my book back down. I ran over. I was like, honey, what, what, what's going on? And she's just crying and she couldn't. And she's that, those of you who know Colleen, she's not an overly emotional person. It, it was surprising. And she said, I just, I can't. And I said, honey, you can tell me what happened. And she said, I just feel like you love her more than me. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, what? She goes, I feel like you love her more than me, she says. And I was, I was like, love, love who more than you? Like, is she accusing me of an affair? And she goes, that church, that stupid church. <laughs> I'm glad you think it's funny. Because <laughs> that hit me like a dagger to the heart. Like, literally, off in the distance, I heard a rooster crow, you know? <laughs> Because I, I swore I would never be that guy who sacrifices his family on the altar of ministry. And yet here I was. She called me on it. Ministry had become my mistress. And I was giving my work the best of me and the leftovers to my marriage and to my kids. And, you know, the, the Holy Spirit really convicted me in that moment. I instantly repented. I'm so sorry. How could I not have seen this? But you guys know, like, repentance, it's got to be about actions, not words. And so we went to marriage counseling, and candidly, it wasn't the therapy. It was just the practical things we did. We took a machete to my schedule, and we said, in this season of life with our children where they are, we want dad home, and I'm only going to be out one night a week. And I started giving up and saying no to people, which was, like, very upsetting. And we took a machete to my schedule and also canceled all outside speaking requests. And we said, you know what? I'm going to say no to everything until the kids are 10 years old. And we did that for almost a decade, guys. It's over a decade ago. But you know the single biggest game changer in that moment, that come to Jesus moment your pastor had in his marriage? The single biggest thing that changed my life is that I stopped sinning and took a Sabbath. Can everybody say that word? Sabbath. It's a Jewish word. The Jewish word is Shabbat. And it means to stop, to actually pause from your work, your paid and your unpaid work, and rest. And God really convicted me to take a Sabbath that day, one full day every week, a 24-hour period, where I actually stopped working. For us, it became Friday, and it was like, we don't talk about liquid on Friday. So I could be fully present to my wife and to my children. Now, I'll just be honest with you, as a recovering workaholic, it was scary at first, okay? I didn't get as much done. Things didn't go as fast as I wanted. Uh, I had to delegate stuff, like meaning give it up and, to other people, who then they start doing it. It's like, oh, they actually do it better. Now I'm really scared. <laughs> but Sabbath transformed our family. In fact, it was amazing. When my kids were old enough, they started going to school, and because I was off on Friday, I would go and pick them up. Um, you know, stand there with the parents, then all of a sudden the doors open at three o'clock, and my son is about, you know, seven at the time. He would come running out doors and he'd go, It's Sabbath time! <laughs> you know? And, and all the parents were like, Are you Jewish? Like, I thought this guy was a priest, he's a rabbi or something. I don't know, you know? But we started this beautiful routine. My, my kids were excited because they were like, 24 hours, we've got daddy all to ourselves. And let me tell you something our marriage not only survived, it thrived. It began flourishing. And Colleen and I have a Sabbath routine on Fridays that goes to this day that kind of culminates. We actually have a lunch date every week. We set aside time. We connect. We rebuild all the intimacy that kind of gets lost in the meat grinder of the work week. That was over a decade ago. Guys, my daughter is getting ready to go to college. Let me tell you something. I have no regrets. The Sabbath saved me. Like, if God had not interrupted my A-type personality, my inclination to go, work, 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 I can't imagine. I might have missed my kids growing up. I might have jacked up my marriage. Can you imagine that? Think about, think about this. You build a great church, but you lose your family. Anyone seen that story in the news? Tragic. So the Sabbath was literally a lifesaver for our family. I feel like it was a severe mercy from the Lord because it dialed down the stress and brought us breathing room, peace into our home, and a sustainable pace to our family life. Which is still crazy, by the way. It's just not toxic. Big difference between crazy and toxic. Guys, that's why I believe God put the Sabbath, a game changer 
spiritual practice, dead center of the Ten Commandments. That's where we're going to look today. I want to teach you today how to take the day off biblically, how to Sabbath like it's 1999, <laughs> or at least 2020, so that if you identify in any way, you could bring a rhythm of rest to your work-life balance this year, this decade. So let's open up our Bibles. We're going to turn to the book of Exodus, second book of the Old Testament, chapter 20. We're about to read a 3,500-year-old command. This is a spiritual practice that God gave as a gift to his people Israel after he freed them from slavery in Egypt. Now, here's the thing, Ten Commandments, right? When you think of Ten Commandments, you think of all the thou shalt nots, right? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not murder, all the stuff you're not supposed to do, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Nobody focuses on the one command that is positive. It's the fourth commandment, and it actually takes up 30% of the Ten Commandments. God orders his people to do something radical. He says, thou shalt take the day off. Let's read it together. Verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it. What's the word, church? Holy. Oh, a little bit louder. Holy. That means set apart for a special purpose. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Shabbat, a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. So it's for the whole family, nor your male or female servant. So if you have a business, you have people work for you, they're included, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Now, just pause here. Now, what's the reason God gives for taking a day off? What's his rationale behind the Sabbath? Here it is. Verse 11. Ready? For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea, and all that is in them. But, let's read this together, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the first time in all of Scripture that God declares something is holy. It is sacred. It's set apart for a special purpose. And so what we learn is that Sabbath goes back to the very beginning of creation in Genesis, right? When God created the heavens and the earth in six days, everything we see, the sky, the sea, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the animals, the oceans. Uh, then he creates uh, man. He's like, not great for man to be alone. Okay, he's going to get in trouble. Bring the woman. Then brings the woman in, right? Woof. Not bad for six days work, okay? Like how many of you are like, oh man, I was so productive today. <laughs> man, I just, I just slayed email. I cried. I'm in box zero, you know? God's like, yeah, I made Africa. But notice God does something amazing. After six days of work, he rested. Now, if God took a day off after working six days straight, you think you don't? Like, if you're taking notes, I want to break this down. Because a biblical Sabbath is more than just our version of the American weekend. Right? Our version is like a Saturday or Sunday where you kind of run around, catch up on chores, uh, maybe watch football. It's just either vegging out or more busyness. Make all the returns to the stores. But a true biblical Sabbath, it's a 24-hour block of time in which Jesus' followers do four things. The first is we stop. Everybody say stop. Stop. That's what Sabbath means. Shabbat. Stop. You stop all of your work, both paid and unpaid. You stop working. You stop wanting more things. Let's go to the store. You stop worrying because God can take care of it and you can rest. Everybody say rest. You rest. You rest your soul, meaning you actually rest your whole person. You're physical. You actually sleep, mental and emotional rest. You actually calm down. You relax. You process the weak and spiritual. You stop your striving and you allow God to run the universe, which leads you into delight. Everyone say delight. Delight. This is the best part. I'm going to use this phrase. You actually take time to say, what pampers my soul? What, what, what sparks joy? What brings life and wonder and gratitude and happiness to me? Maybe it's taking a walk or a hike out in nature, you know, with your roommate or eating good food, you know, with your significant other. Slow food, not fast food. Maybe it's spending time with family or listening to music or, or reading for fun or opening a bottle of wine with friends and having great conversation. 
On the Jewish Sabbath, did you know there's even a tradition of thou shalt make love to your spouse? All of a sudden, the husbands are like, wait, where, where is this? I'm sorry, this is, <laughs> take some notes here. <laughs> All the guys, <laughs> just paying attention now. And of course, Sabbath is a day ultimately for worship. That is, we slow down. That's what we're doing right now. We're positioning our hearts towards praise and gratitude to God. We connect with our creator and most importantly, Jesus, the savior of our souls, and we worship him. Now, those are the four qualities of a biblical Sabbath. And I'm going to break these down, but this is a beautiful invitation from God to you to just slow down the RPMs for 24 hours, stop working, rest fully, delight playfully, and worship me. Now, let's get real because some of you are freaking out. <laughs> this is completely counterculture to the way that our world tells us to approach work, especially here in the Northeast, right? Uh, there's a big difference between what I would call our secular rhythm and our Sabbath rhythm. Like the normal rhythm here in the Northeast looks something like this. <gasps> work, 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 work. <sighs> I need a vacation. Okay, a few days. Okay, here we go. Ready? Oh, work, 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 work. Oh, vacation. That's how Americans do it, right? That, it's like that's our rhythm. It's crazy town. We burn the candle at both ends down to the nub. And then when you're completely fried and frazzled, whoo, vacation, which typically means sleeping in, vegging out, typically getting sick because so many of us, our adrenal glands are like shot. <laughs> You can't even rest. That's, we're crispy critters, right? It's not rest. That's the secular rhythm in the Northeast. In contrast, the Sabbath rhythm looks like this. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, ooh, this is fun. Do it with me. <laughs> Sabbath, work. Come on, get your arms up. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, okay, it's kind of, don't make the sound. I just do the, okay. <laughs> there's a rhythm. There's a breathe in, breathe out, because it's woven into the fabric of creation. The tide goes in, the tide goes out. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. I work, I rest. Breathe in, breathe out. Guys, at the core of creation, and you are part of God's creation, is this rhythm of work and rest. Watch this. On the Sabbath, we rest from our work. And then watch this. On Monday, we work from our rest. We actually, we're relaxed. We're well rested because we're cooperating with God's divine rhythm and creation. Sabbath is literally woven into the fabric of the universe. When you think about it, right, the, the, the stars, the planets, they all have a certain rhythm to them. And even you have this built into you. And, and this is incredible because God designed you to enjoy this beautiful, sustainable pace of rest and work. Not once every three months, but every six days. Now, if the Sabbath is built into the grain of the universe, you know what happens when you go against the grain? You get splinters, <laughs> like I did when I had my brush with burnout over a decade ago, which is why God commands us to stop. That's the first quality of a true Sabbath. It is 24 hours in your weekly calendar. It doesn't have to be Sunday, but it's the, the 24 hours that you stop your paid work and your unpaid. And you actually follow the example of your daddy in heaven. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. That's the first part of the command. Work, go for it. Work is good. It's a gift from God. But the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Let's put this on the screen. On it, you shall not do any work. In other words, God says, I want you to take one day where you let go of the illusion that you are indispensable to running the universe. <laughs> that actually acknowledge your work will never be done, and that's okay. Because God says, I'm actually on the throne. God's not panicking when you take a day. Newsflash, he can run the world without you. Now, I know some of you are like, really? That's uh... <laughs> Now, the traditional Jewish Sabbath starts at sundown on Friday and goes to sundown on Saturday. Christianity bumped that uh, a day to Sunday, um, considered the first day of the week, the day of Jesus' resurrection. So today is probably like right, a Sabbath for, for most of you. 
Uh, the majority of us probably here don't work. Um, you, here you are at church. I hope you're going home to enjoy a great meal, hopefully rest, have some family time this afternoon. And then right tonight around 7, 8 o'clock, your mind will start getting geared up to go to work tomorrow. But some of you are like, yeah, I wish. You're like me. You work on weekends. Can I just tell you? This Sunday, this is not a Sabbath for me. <laughs> Sunday is never a Sabbath. In fact, it's the busiest, craziest day of, of the week. So understand the day of the week doesn't matter. What matters is that you set aside a 24-hour block of time that works for your schedule. So for our family, Friday is our Sabbath. Um, I typically work late on Thursday just to get all the details for the weekend kind of nailed down. Um, and I kind of, so it happens on Friday. I sleep in late. And I do nothing related to liquid. I don't answer emails, return phone calls. I don't write sermons, no like leadership talks, that stuff. Because the Sabbath means you stop your work. Both paid, and watch this, unpaid. In other words, if you work from home, that means you stop running errands. You stop, you know, shopping. You don't, you don't pay bills. You don't do more housework. You stop so that you can rest. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, what did he do, church? He rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he'd been doing. In other words, since you're made in the image of God, your Father in heaven designed you to enjoy rest. Which means on the Sabbath, you only do activities that are life-giving and replenishing to your soul. Maybe taking a walk. Maybe going hiking, maybe, maybe enjoying, you know, good food or reading a book or photography or gardening, whatever your jam is. I don't know. Even taking a nap. Did you know the Jewish people have a special name for a Sabbath nap? It's called a Sabbath shluf. Shabbat shluf. Say shluf with me. Shluf. Some of you, it's very spiritual, okay? I'm like, I think the pastor told me to take a nap. Amen. Amen. Receive it, okay? Now, here's the deal. This is going to require advanced planning. If you are going to truly take the day off in Sabbath, here's what that means. You've got to use those other six days to complete all of your unpaid work, like bills and emails, balancing the checkbook, running the dog to the vet. This is the difference between a biblical Sabbath and the modern American weekend. Our modern version of the weekend actually just means crazy running around, right? Shuttling kids to sports and the soccer games or catching up on house projects or like, we got to run to Ikea. There goes eight hours, okay? <laughs> Basically, it's catching up on all of the work we didn't get to the other six days. In other words, it's unpaid work. But the Sabbath is, it says, holy. Holy means it's set aside for a special purpose. It's for rest that leads to delight in God and his goodness to you. Now, have you ever wondered... Like, why did God need to rest? Like, like, if God is all-powerful and he's infinite, why did he rest after six days of work? Like, God was just like, whoo, I am tired, man. <laughs> like, I need, a, I need to, God's like, I need to sit down, take a break. No. Think about this. God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he said, I'm going to take time to intentionally delight in my creation. Multiple times God creates, and then he actually says, he says, oh man, look at this. This is good. Oh, that is good. In fact, here's what it says in Genesis 131. God saw all that he had made, and it was what? Very good. He's like, look at the Milky Way, man. That's good. This is like, this is, this is the, oh, look at these animals. The giraffe, the platypus, what a goof. Oh, man, good. Man and woman, this, this is very good. I love it. God, your father, took time to savor and enjoy his accomplishment. So here's a great question. What brings you deep joy and delight? Because that's what the Sabbath is for. What do I do on my Friday Sabbath? My wife typically takes the kids to school, bless her. <laughs> and then we meet up for coffee, all right, together. That's like I don't, or now it's a smoothie, Daniel Fest. Thank you for that. Uh, right? 
And then here's what we do. We typically go for a, a walk in the woods with our dog behind our house. We've got this like little nature preserve uh, by a local college. So that's where we kind of walk together because nature just kind of opens up my heart. Like I look at the trees and, and like I just see the blue sky. I can worship God. And as we walk, we catch up because both of us work full time. So it's very easy for us to kind of miss each other during the week. And then we go out for lunch and enjoy adult time. I'll just leave it at that. Then in the afternoon, listen, listen. Some of you are like, wait, what? Okay. <laughs> then in the afternoon, I'll, I'll typically pick my son up from school and we play basketball. Pick up basketball in the driveway. Maybe we go out to dinner with good friends. I mean a good meal, not like, you know, fast food, like slow food. Nice bottle of wine together, conversation, like true rest, things that are replenishing and life-giving to our soul. Now, that's us. This is going to look different for you. My wife, for instance, she's a bit of a foodie, okay? So she delights in, like, cooking a good gourmet meal. Some of you are like, oh, cooking, that's a job for me. That's work. Not for her. She loves kind of tasting and smelling and savoring all that food. My question is, what is it for you? What's your jam? What brings you delight and joy? Is it like playing guitar, making music, gardening, painting, sculpting, exercising, bike riding? I don't know. The point is, on the Sabbath, God is inviting you to pamper your soul with things that nourish and restore it so that it can open up then for worship. Notice it says, the seventh day is a Sabbath to you. No. To who? To the Lord your God. So the central focus of the Sabbath is not you, it's God, it's actually worship. It's you spending time creating room to actually bask in your Father's love. To give full-hearted gratitude to Jesus. Guys, that's why we're here, right? We're worshiping on Sunday. You, you set aside time to come sing. You're not singing to me, you're singing to God, right? We're, we're, we're reading his word. This is his text message to us. We're remembering what Jesus did to redeem us and reunite us to our Father. So if you're here today and you're a little bit skeptical about the Sabbath, you know, like, oh, is this like a Jewish thing, Tim? Or you're like, isn't this all Old Testament? Like, that's not for us anymore. Catch this. New Testament. Jesus observed the Sabbath every week of his life. It was part of his spiritual rhythm. Luke 4 says this. Jesus went, what's the phrase, church? As usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. So we're just doing what Jesus did. Another version says Jesus went to the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath. So understand, like, Jesus went to church every week, just like you, okay? The Sabbath was a spiritual priority for your Savior. So if you're a Christ follower, we're just following the rabbi. Jesus says, take the day off. But watch this. We're not taking time off from God. It's the opposite. We're drawing closer to him by stopping resting, delighting, and worshiping. Now, I understand that some of you are getting nervous, okay? Uh, because you're like, oh, man, this is the worst message. I'm in my busy season at work, and you're running 24-7, and, and, and the idea, it's freaking you out even a little bit. You're just, I had a few people who were like, my, my spouse was elbowing me and everything. Just relax. No guilt here, okay? Like, this is where we live, guys. We're in New Jersey, the middle of the Northeast, right? It's go, 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 go. We're on the hamster wheel. Here's the problem. You and I live in a 24-7 culture that is always open for business, that encourages you and rewards you to work bell to bell, faster, more, be productive, maximize profits. In fact, as I was kind of researching this, I found I could only locate one company that embraces the Sabbath as part of its business strategy, and that's Chick-fil-A, which... Say what you want. I think everybody knows it's closed on Sunday. <laughs> you my Chick-fil-A. You've seen it on their signs, closed on Sunday. Like if, if you go to church today for lunch, you're going to be disappointed because everybody's going to see it on the sign on the front door, closed Sundays. But not everybody knows the reason. This is fascinating. I did a little research of Business Week. The founder, Truett Cathy, he opened his first restaurant in 1946. It wasn't after he had made billions. It's right when he was starting this brand new venture. And he made the radical decision and said, our restaurant's going to be closed Sundays. And his critics are like, are you nuts? You're going to sink the business before it starts. Most people eat out more on weekends, not less. You're going to lose money. But here's the deal. 
Kathy was a committed Christian. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. And he said, you know what? I want to build my business model around biblical principles. And he said, I want to honor God's Sabbath command. And he said, this is what jumped out of him. On the Sabbath, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your what? Male or female servant, the people who work for you, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. See, Kathy, growing up, worked seven days a week in a restaurant that were open 24 hours. And he said, but now that I'm a business owner, he said, I actually have the opportunity to structure our work week so that my male and female servants have a day of rest just like me. And so Kathy made the radical business decision to close on Sundays so that every Chick-fil-A employee, from the boardroom down to the drive-thru, has one day set aside for rest to worship if they want and just enjoy time with their families. In his book, Eat More Chicken, <laughs> Kathy said this, he wrote this, closing our business on Sunday, the Lord's Day, is our way of honoring God and showing our loyalty to him. My brother Ben and I closed our first restaurant on the first Sunday after we opened in 1946, and my children have committed to closing our restaurants on Sundays long after I'm gone. He says, I believe God honors our decision and sets before us unexpected opportunities to do greater work for him because of our loyalty. Like, that's pretty remarkable, right? Like in the dog-eat-dog world of fast food, or should I say chicken-eat-cow, I guess, you know? It's amazing. But let me tell you something. Has God honored this? Uh, big time. Uh, Business Week says Chick-fil-A has now exploded in growth. It is the third largest restaurant chain, and they say McDonald's and Starbucks should be terrified. Gross revenues over $10.5 billion last year, and here's what's amazing. Business Week says they likely lose more than $1 billion in sales by staying closed on Sundays. Like, gut check, business owners, business people, like, heart to heart. Would you give up a billion dollars in profits to observe the Sabbath? Like, talk about counterculture. They're like literally putting people over profits. They're putting God ahead of greed. See, as it turns out, as we honor the Sabbath, God multiplies the blessing because it shows your trust. I'm going to stop, and my Father is working even when I'm not. Amen? Guys, even Kanye West knows this. <laughs> Do you know he wrote, a, he wrote a song about the Sabbath? It's called Closed on Sunday. Anybody know this? Anybody? Sing it with me. Closed on Sunday. You my Chick-fil-A. Hold the selfies. Oh, come on. Put the gram away. Get your family. All hold hands and pray. Come on, give me the last one. Closed on Sunday. You my Chick-fil-A. Oh, man. Come on. This is, last week, Biggie Small, this week, Kanye West, hashtag preaching goals. This is going to be an awesome, awesome year of preaching, man, I'll just tell you. Guys, I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you, Sabbath was radical when God first introduced the concept 3,500 years ago. I think it's even more counterculture in 2020. Because where you and I live and work in the fast-paced Northeast, it is very difficult to slow down because I think we worship a different idol, the idol of drivenness, which rewards busy A-type people who are productive and work, 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 without any room for Sabbath rest. But you got to watch out. Remember what Dallas Willard said to start this series? He said, hurry is the great enemy of a spiritual life in our day. And the truth is you can't be emotionally healthy in your relationships and grow spiritually with God if you don't take a day off and devote it to him. How are you going to have more peace, love, joy, patience, all the fruits of the Spirit? It's essential for a follower of Christ who wants breathing room. So here's the deal. If you're like, man, 2020, Tim, I want to be different. I want a Sabbath rhythm. Rhythm, I like that, to my routine. I want to teach you how to do it. Very practical, but I want to warn you first. I believe there will be a spiritual enemy who will oppose you if you try to work a Sabbath into your routine. And that... Spiritual enemy, I think, here, it's a spirit of workaholism. Now, I speak from experience, right? Because I consider myself a recovering workaholic. 
Um, I'm a three on the Enneagram, <laughs> okay? So it's like I, I like getting things done. And, and there's a reason that I get caught up in my work. It's because I'm passionate about it, right? Like I love big projects and, and casting vision and seeing impact. But sometimes like I can like laser focus and just get lost in my work. I get tunnel vision. Now, now let me just pause here, by the way, because I see A-type people here. I see Alan over here. If you're like a high-capacity leader, hear me. Uh, work is a good thing. In fact, work is a gift from God. Did you know that? In Genesis, God gives Adam and Eve, he gives them daily work. He's like, I want you to cultivate the garden as a gift. So for some of you, by the way, you just need to focus on the first part of the command. Thou shalt work for six days. Okay, millennials? Work is a positive thing. A J-O-B is very good. This is positive, okay? But now listen, he says, I know it. <laughs> listen, and whatever you do, like whatever your work is, I don't, you don't have to get paid. Maybe it's, maybe it's raising kids at home. God's called you to leave a legacy, raise the next generation. What more important work is there? But maybe it's working in a classroom or, or stocking shelves at, at, at you know, the grocery store, running a business. I don't know. Whatever it is that God's called you to. Here's the problem. Our culture rewards overworking. It is the one culturally acceptable sin in our world. In fact, have you noticed this? Like this is the Ten Commandments. There is not one command in here that anybody brags about breaking except the Sabbath. Nobody goes around saying, oh, you should have seen me last week, man. I lied so many times. <laughs> this is crazy what I said, man. You know, oh, bro, this month I murdered so many people. <laughs> like I just killed it. The third command, I just ignored the whole. Nobody does that. But here in America, we brag about breaking the fourth command. We're like, bro, I've been working for 14 days straight last week, 85 hours. And we're like, bro, high five, killing it, man. You're going to get that promote. This is the only culturally acceptable sin. But watch this. You go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. And you're going to get Sabbath whether you choose it or not. Because if you overwork week, month, year by years, it actually is hardwiring your brain and your body. That's what scientists say. Because your brain, the way God designed it, is it actually releases hormones and chemicals when it's under chronic stress. So if you overwork for weeks, months, and years, guess what happens? Your body just gets so used to all these chemicals and adrenaline, you get dependent on them. And so psychology today, I was reading this week, they call it adrenaline addiction. Like marketplace leaders have been diagnosed with adrenaline addiction. They're like, it's like crack cocaine. They can't stop their brain or their body from working because it's so used to and hyped up on speed. So just be warned here. Like, if you're used to working 24-7, taking a full Sabbath stop will be a very challenging spiritual habit to establish in your life. But I'm here to tell you today, with God's help, you can do this. Tell your neighbor, you can do this. Tell them, you can do this. You can take a day off. I want to show you how. Watch this. This is, gonna, this is the most interesting part of the message. Watch this. I saw something fascinating this week while studying this. So the Ten Commandments appear in two places in the Bible. Exodus, we just read. In the other place, it appears in the book of Deuteronomy. You ever hear that word? You're like, what does that even mean? Deuter means second. Nomos means law. So this is the second time God gives his law, the Ten Commandments. And the second time that God says this is 40 years after the Exodus. In other words, he's going to tell it now to the next generation. And when I read this, watch, it's word for word as Exodus, except with one difference. Watch. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Same thing, right? But Exodus, why? And the answer was, because God rested on the seventh day. But watch. Deuteronomy gives a different reason. Remember that you were what? Slaves in Egypt? And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. See, God's people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt for 400 years before God gave the command to Sabbath. The Israelites, what that means is they worked seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for this guy, Pharaoh. Pharaoh was considered a god, small g god, but he was a satanic tyrant. He oppressed people and he exploited the Israelites for slave labor and he crushed them doing his massive building projects. He just destroyed them under this yoke of slavery for, listen, 
400 years. Do you know what it's like if your family was in slavery for four centuries? I mean, think about this. Like, your parents never knew what freedom was. Your grandparents never had a day off. Your great-grandparents died as a slave. Your great-great-grandparents were in shackles and in bondage. Your whole family had never tasted delight, never known rest, never tasted freedom, because slaves exist for a single purpose, and that is work, produce, perform. That's the only identity a slave in Egypt had. In fact, watch this. If you didn't work, you had no worth. Well, guess what? Pharaoh's gone, but I think Egypt is alive and well in America today. Because our identity is so closely tied to our work, isn't it? Like, I mean, you know, when you meet someone new, what's the first thing you say? What do you do, right? In other words, we define people by their jobs or their titles. Oh, she's an accountant. Oh, he's a nurse. He owns a construction company. She works at Target, long hours. In fact, if you're like, if you've ever been unemployed or you're a stay-at-home parent, you know it can feel like sometimes like awkward not to be like officially employed nine to five. Now, I want, just hear me. Listen, church, lean in. Part of who you are is what you do. But it's not the deepest truth about who you are in the sight of God. First off, you are a human being, not a human doing. And when it gets twisted and your job or your title becomes the foundation of your identity, you swallow the cultural lie that your work determines your worth. And that is satanic. That's what leads to slavery. You actually end up in Egypt. It says for 400 years, after 400 years, God said, enough! I didn't create my, create my people for slavery. And Yahweh reached in, the Bible says, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm to rescue his people from Pharaoh. He sent 10 plagues. He killed Pharaoh's firstborn son. He went to war for his people. He leads the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea to what? Freedom! To rest! And when they got in the promised land, he says, I'm giving you a brand new identity. Newsflash. You're no longer slaves. You are free, forgiven, fully loved child of the most high God. Your worth doesn't come from what you do. It comes from who you are in God's sight. You are a beloved son or daughter of the most high God. He says, I rescued you from slavery. I'm bringing you out of that. Remember that compulsive overwork? Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out. I love that. Brought you out of there. It's like he reached in with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. And then he says, therefore, what? Read it together. The Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is all about receiving your daddy's love for you apart from your performance. The affection of of the Father, apart from what you do, your productivity. That's what sets you apart as Jesus' people. We know in our spirit that we are created by God and for God. And the creator of the universe is in love with your soul. And he sends his son Jesus to set you free from slavery to sin. Reunite you with God. And now watch this. You are fully accepted in the Father's eyes. He already loves me. He's broken my chains. The pressure's off. God says, live free. That is who you are. That is your Magna Carta as a follower of Jesus Christ. You're free. What's the problem then, Tim? I believe some of you are still living in Egypt. I think some of us are. Like Pharaoh's dead, but some of us have a Pharaoh in our head. Yeah? That little voice that says, man, I just... I can't stop, Tim. I can't rest. I got to make the promotion. I got to earn more money. I've been saying, you've got to make more bricks. If I stop working, I might die. If I didn't do this, what would I have? What worth would I have? Guys, today I believe God is, is, is reaching out. He's calling some of you out to come out of your workaholism in 2020. To come out of your compulsive striving. God says, I'm bringing you out with a mighty hand and outstretched arm and setting you free. Guys, you may have Jesus in your heart, but if you have Egypt in your bones, this is a life and death issue. Oh, that's good. Do you catch that one? <laughs> Jesus in your heart, but I got Egypt in my bones. You're a liberated child of God. So work like it and rest like it. He wants to shatter your bondage to overwork. Listen to me, church. Just hear this. 
Your worth doesn't come from what you do, but what Christ did for you on the cross. You want to talk about why you can rest? You know why you can rest? Because on the cross, Jesus says, it is what? Finished. I finished the job. I paid your bill of sin, so you got nothing to strive for, earn, or perform. You are loved not because of your work, but the work Jesus did. He did it. He set you free. So rest in God's grace. You guys ready to Sabbath this week? Make some noise, church, if you're ready for a day off with God. Listen. All right. Here, here, here's what I want to tell you. I'm going to close with this. I want to give you four things of how to how, have a successful Sabbath this week. Just jot them down real quick. These are four things you've got to think about to make your Sabbath successful in 2020 because it's not just going to happen. Like, you have to be intentional. If you're like, Tim, I want to stop being a slave to Pharaoh. I want to weave this beautiful Sabbath rhythm into my life. Here's how you do it. The first is this. When you stop and designate a day. So it could be Sunday. That's fine. But here's the deal. You got to make that Sunday a day of full 24 hours of rest. So it's not just rush to church and then let's go finish our chores. You make Saturday your day for running errands and doing housework. But Sunday becomes a day of true rest. Now, if Sunday doesn't work, Pick another day. There's total flexibility and grace in this. Some of you are like, I, I work on weekends like you, Tim. Listen to this. In Romans, the Apostle Paul said this. Listen to this. You each should be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is what? Acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, they do it to honor him. So maybe you work weekends like I do. My Sabbath is Friday, but maybe yours is Wednesday. Maybe you're like, Tim, I'm a single parent. I'm doing a couple jobs. I can't do 24 hours. Just start with 12 hours. It will look different for all of us. But you try to pick one consistent time period and avoid hopping around. The second thing you do is then you rest by setting clear boundaries. Everyone say boundaries. boundaries. you got to set boundaries that set apart the Sabbath from business as usual. The other six days of the week, right? So I'm giving you homework as a family today. Sit down, talk about this. Like make a plan. Like what would need to be done to clear the way for a true Sabbath? Like errands, you know, last minute emails, gross, would you have to go grocery shopping, bills, you know, mowing the lawn, shoveling the snow, whatever. Like, like what are those things you do? And then here's the thing. What are you going to avoid on the Sabbath? Like maybe you're like us. For us, we are like on the Sabbath, it is liquid free. No talk about work, okay? That's a Sabbath rule in our household. We don't talk about work. I would recommend that you actually also say, you know what, we're going to turn off our computers, our phones on the Sabbath. Maybe you go dark on social media. Maybe you avoid shopping at the mall because it just winds you up and fills you with, you know, not contentment, but actually, you know, I want to shop. I'm a consumer. And then listen to this. This is the beauty. Delight and make a happy list. Everyone say happy list. Happy. I'm serious. Make a list of the people, places, and activities that energize you. Like, what is life giving to your soul? Maybe you're like, man, I love that. Hiking in the woods with my family, playing frisbee golf with my, my roommate or friends. M maybe it's just curling up on the couch and getting lost in a good novel. Like, you actually read for pleasure, not just for work. Do whatever cultivates a spirit of rest. Take a Shabbat shloof, a holy nap. Make love to your spouse. Is that on, is that on your happy list, married couples? I hope so. I just want to clarify. To your spouse, okay? Put it on your list. <laughs> Do whatever pampers your soul. But listen, I just want to give you this caveat. Be careful, be careful. Listen, listen. Americans, I know how you think. We, we think. There's a big difference between recreation and restoration. Recreation often just means we're out wrecking creation, Okay, we're out shopping, we're going to movies, we're going out here, we're doing this, we're doing that and everything. It's just more like busyness, entertainment and distraction that leaves you depleted. You're more tired, right? You're not refreshed after that. So you have to curate your, your happy list with things that are, are life-giving and re restorational. And give yourself grace, by the way. I know that some of you are sitting here thinking, man, Tim, I got a unique challenge of life. I got three little kids I'm raising at home. Or maybe you have elderly parents that you, you're, you're taking care of. It's totally okay. You know what Jesus said? He said, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. Meaning it's a gift from God made just for you. So have fun and worship with a grateful heart. Guys, somebody came in here today and you're like, how long is this? 
You know, you realize what just happened? God just gave you 52 days off this year. Give God a praise. Jesus just gave you a gift. God gave you a gift. He said, slow down. I've given you 52 days off. Guys, Christ has saved you from slavery to sin, from feeling of worthlessness. You are the Father's dearly loved, totally accepted, set free child with nothing to prove. So stop striving and breathe. Let this reality sink into your soul. I did nothing productive today. <laughs> and I am adored by my Abba. He loves me. Let me tell you something. Week by week, you'll start feeling the clarity, the calm, the peace of God. You'll start feeling relaxed and rested. Wouldn't that be awesome if people saw you? Right now, you know, how are you doing? Busy. What if they saw you and said, Karen, you look so relaxed. Did you go on vacation? No. <laughs> I took the day off. Less stress, more Sabbath. Amen? Don't you want that? You receive that, church? Don't you receive that? Let's do this. Let's put our hands out and receive it from our Father. Come on, put your hands out. Father, thank you for your word. It has fed us. I thank you, God, that you have loved us enough. You wouldn't even spare your own son, but you'd set us free, Father, from our bondage to sin, and then you'd stake us to a life of freedom and put at the center of it a Sabbath, a whole day to center, be still, and just enter your goodness and your rest. Father, thank you for our work. We thank you, Lord, for our jobs. But now, Father, we are learning life is better with limits. Put it in check, Father God. I pray prophetically, God, that you'd break bondage right now. That there are men and women, they've been struggling, they've been seeing red lights on the dashboard. Maybe their health hasn't been good or relationships because of work. Father God, you're reaching in with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Set them free in Jesus' name this year. Father God, may 2020 be a year of freedom, a year of rest, and a year of delight, of joy as we worship you. Father, we're excited, but I pray that you'll give us grace. Help us not to feel like failures if we can't figure this all out at once, but take baby steps this week, God. I pray that you'll do that in our church, in our homes, and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen.